Hey everybody, today we see many adolescent temper tantrums. Captain Picard starts feeling uncomfortable, and we ask the question, if there are no refrigerators in the 24th century, where do you hang up your kids' artwork? The answer to that and more, coming up. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek, the next generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today, we are talking about Season 1, Episode 10, entitled Haven. Sharice, this episode is written by Lan O'Kun and Tracy Torme and directed by Richard Compton. And the star date kicking off is 41294.5. I don't know about you, but this episode just bothers me. (laughs) I know, I know. This is when we get introduced to... Andrea's arch enemy, yep, Lawasana <laughs> Troy. So, Andrea, why don't you give us a rundown of the show? We'll do our highlight overview, and then we will dive into this episode. Sounds perfect. So, the plot summary for Haven is: the Enterprise arrives at the planet Haven, where Counselor Troy has been summoned summoned by her mother, Lawasana. Troy has previously been set into an arranged marriage to Wyatt Miller, a young human doctor. Troy and Wyatt attempt to get to know each other, but find it difficult as Troy is still in love with Commander Riker. Wyatt has had numerous dreams of another woman with whom he's fallen in love and had initially believed to be Troy communicating telepathically with him. But it's not. (laughs) 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 Sorry, Wyatt. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so we kind of kick off the episode where this uh they're they're approaching this planet haven which has like mythological like properties apparently Mm -hmm. of like healing the sick and kind of rejuvenating and restoring and this package is beamed aboard the enterprise and it's like this silver box with a face in it Um, yeah it's like a chest like a personalized chest yes yeah very personalized because it has Mm -hmm. a freaking face in it yeah yep so Troy, I think it's really funny that Tasha Yar is like in charge of bringing it on board and Riker is like, okay, let's see what it is. But then Deanna Troy just sort of wanders in and she goes, hey guys, what's going on? Like, do you just I routinely- thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. That was kind in. of random. No one called you, girl. But if she hadn't walked in, we would still be confused about this face chest. That That is so, true. That is so true. So the face chest pops up and, and Troy is like, hey guys, how's it going? What's going on in the transporter room today? <laughs> And then suddenly the face comes to life and now it's a real face. And it's like, this is a message for Deanna Troy. And it's like, what's just happened? Yes. It's like, it's a little bit perfect timing that she walked in. I just kind of picture her wandering in, like when she's bored to different rooms being like, Hey guys, anything going on here? No, All right, I'll, I'll go to transporter room four then. Hey, I mean, guys, that's kind of what's going on how in life here. goes though, right? Like if you work in an office, if any of you guys work in an office, there are times when you are just hating sitting at your desk and you're like, I need yep. a change of scenery. Yep. And you just walk around. You just walk from desk to desk. Hey, what's going on over here? Talking on the phone, huh? That's true. Uh-huh. Got it. Got it. What about you? <laughs> Eating a snack? Love those snacks. And you're just like, you know, bored wandering. So I can imagine that on the Enterprise, that could happen from time to time. I guess you're right. I could totally see that. Um, Still a little but, weird. But yeah, she was just like, hey, uh, hey guys, what's going on in here? So <laughs> when the chest announces this like, joyous news Uh um and then busts open full of gems which i thought was kind of funny it just sort of spilled out like all over like it was like a pinata it was awesome (laughs) you're not worried about losing some like priceless gems like in the crack of the floor or something it's just like i don't think their floors have cracks so there's that (laughs) 
guess that's true. <laughs> I guess that's true. These are not issues we have to worry about at all in, in the, the 24th, 24th century. No, nope. right. floor so, cracks, forget about it. So it turns out that Deanna Troy is getting married and she is none too pleased about it at all. Right. It's so, so they close up into her face, you know, cause they're like, oh, we're so happy about this, you know, wedding yep. or whatever. And Riker's like, who's wedding? Who's getting married? And then it zooms into Troy's face and she's like, I am. And she's got tears in her eyes. Like Marina Sirtis, you know, mad props to you. I don't know how you really call up those tears on command or if they put some eye drops in before the scene. I don't know. Right. But like, she looked like devastated and you know, her eyes were all misty. And I was like, if she cries one more time, I swear, <laughs> but she did it. She did it. She got teary, but she didn't cry. I was like, all right. All right. <laughs> she held it together. The girl knows how to cry. You know, I feel like if Marina Sirtis has to like audition for another role in, a, mm-hmm. in some other television show or movie, and they're like, can you cry in command? She's like, allow me to show you season one of Star Trek TNG. Yes. Evidence <laughs> A. Right. right. I've actually like, seen her in other shows and she's like, she's, she's often portrayed as this really actually tough lady, like a pretty tough, you know, mm. um, like government agent or something like that. Oh, I'm I like, could see that. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, I could totally see that. And man, I wish she wasn't, I almost wish she wasn't so famous in Star Trek. So we could have had the pleasure of seeing her in that role more yeah. because everybody coming out of Star Trek was so super famous from the show yeah, yes. that it was like impossible to cast them without yeah. people just going, oh, look, it's just Jordy LaForge or something. Yeah. Although yeah. I guess he, he did do a couple things, but like after Star Trek, like you couldn't, you couldn't get Riker on a show, right? Mm-hmm. I, and I feel like that is the double-edged sword of being on a hit show like that um, because you become typecast in your role. Like I, in watching like Independence Day when it first came out, I was like, hey, Data. <laughs> That's what I thought, even though- That's hilarious. Even though like- he had this like completely different, he was like a nervous Nelly sort of scientist and kind of excitable, but I was like, it's data with scraggly long ass hair like, <laughs> and glasses. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and also Riker too. Um, well, not Riker, but Jonathan Frakes, he ended up going, I think pretty big into directing. So he, he actually has directed a handful of um, Star Trek episodes. And I think one of the Star Trek movies, I think he drew, I think he directed nemesis maybe don't quote me on that but i think well actually a lot of the actors went on to be directors so in listening to the podcast called the delta flyers which is a podcast by two of the former cast members of voyager Mm -hmm. um they talk about how lavar burton and jonathan frakes and different people from tng would come and direct their episodes oh that is cool. See, I did not know that. I didn't get super I didn't know in- that either. I didn't get super duper into Voyager. Like I remember enjoying it, but it, mm, I don't know. I just like for me TNG was like kind of just that hit that like nostalgic button. Yeah, no, me. I totally hear you. I'm just yeah. saying that like yeah, they all kind of had the opportunity to get into directing so throughout cool. the seasons of start because some of them you know directed episodes of TNG itself. Yeah, and then they went on to direct other things. And Jonathan Frakes actually directed Picard, which has That's so rad. You know, come out this year and it's pretty freaking good. And I was impressed. Right. Actually, talent. speaking of Jonathan Frakes, um, I just saw an Instagram a uh, couple of days ago. He um, did a little video where he talked about his experience auditioning for the role of Commander Riker and how he had to audition seven times. And um, at one point, Gene Roddenberry invited him into his office and was like, look, I want you to kind of get the gist of like what life is going to be like 
in the 24th century. And he's like, there's no hunger. There's no racism. There's no sexism. Every child knows how to read. And he kind of put that out there as like, let's keep striving towards that in the midst of all of the like social upheaval that we're experiencing right now. And um, people protesting and fighting for like equal rights with like black lives and all that. And I thought that was actually really cool. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that was super cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, okay. So speaking of Riker though, he is none too pleased that Deanna's getting married. This is like- Right. Suddenly is- he's jealous, which kind of <laughs> surprised me because if we think back to episode one, um, yep. Encounter at Farpoint, you know, Troy's all like, it's you. And he's like, it's you. And she's like, hey, Riker, do you want to go into the bottom of this moon jelly and just, you know, this, <laughs> this space moon jelly and just kind of like rekindle the old flame? And he's like, uh, no. <laughs> no, you you can do your own thing. Like he's so quick to just kind of shove her aside. And in this episode, suddenly he's like, you can't get married, but I love you. Well, this is, I think, classic ex-boyfriend move right here. Or just ex-anything move because girlfriends do this too. But it's like, I don't want to be with you, but I don't want you to be with anybody else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nailed like, it. Riker, you are being such an ex right now. Although I think that this episode is definitely not not my favorite because I really don't like Waxana Troy and I'll get into that in a minute, but it does show good character development. Like we get to see some background information and we learn a little bit more about like Troy and where she came from. Mm-hmm. We, we dig a little deeper into Riker and his feelings. He's not just such a robot. Mm-hmm. So I did think that it was good for that. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool, but she does call him Bill again. Did you notice? She calls him Bill multiple times in this episode. And I'm like, that is so weird. And then at the very end, she calls him Will. And I was like, yes. what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> if, I, it was, if it wasn't for the TNG Bible, which again, you guys can get that um, kind of director's guide through going to our website uh, at the TNGpodcast.com. But in there, Gene Roddenberry wrote what he thought the characters should be, what their backstory should be and all that sort of thing. And one of the things he specifically wrote about Will Riker was that his good friends call him Bill. And when I read that, I was like, nobody calls him Bill. That never happened. And as I'm rewatching season one, I'm like, wow, Troy calls him Bill like multiple times throughout season one so far. And eventually, thankfully, that nickname just goes away because it just, I, I don't love it. I don't love it for Will because I'm so used to Will. Yes, I know. I don't like it either. And I like, yeah, I, he's Will. He's Will Riker. Um, but yeah, she goes, Bill, you know, tell me what you're feeling or whatever she says. And I went, Son of a bitch, she said, Bill. <laughs> I was like, I got you. I got you, Troy. <laughs> like, you said it. Um, but yeah, he's definitely not psyched. But I wish, uh, I wish he would just come out and say it. Like, he would just, he just, he's just pouting. And like, I get it's hard to say that, but like, come on. She's hurting. She's crying. She's sad. You're hurting. You're sad. Just say it. Just say, it. like, I'm, I, I, don't like I'm sad that you're getting married because I still have feelings for you Imzadi or some crap like that like just say it yeah just freaking say it don't don't pout don't have a big tantrum this actually I wrote down in my notes this was the episode of the tantrum we got to see a lot of good tantrums going on in this episode but let's take a step back so Wyatt arrives on the ship and um he's just looking as cute as he wants to be i think he was just super adorable oh my god right he looks like a prince charming but my immediate thought was the actor um robert nieper i think is how you say his last name this actor what i remember him from was this show called prison break where he he played this psychotic serial killer 
And you, I mean, this Get character out. was so, yeah, this character was so crazy. He was like the bad guy you love to hate on the show. And, um, and that show was really amazing too. Like it really pulls it me It was right really good. I don't yeah. remember him at all from that. I just remember oh my gosh. Wentworth yes. Miller and his crazy hot eyes. <laughs> That's all I remember. And his ridiculous- Check future husband. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so he was, yeah, he was a really, really big character on the show throughout every single season. He was this psychotic serial killer crazed inmate. I mean, every time you saw him, you were just like, did not know what he was going to do next, who he was going to kill, kidnap rape whatever and so seeing him like whatever 20 years earlier or something in tng as a sweet smooth-faced man boy was really kind With of feathered hair to the heavens it was a little <laughs> it was a little shocking because i'm like but that guy's a killer but no he was so sweet he was so sweet he was definitely like a prince charming yeah he was he was very sweet and he um we don't know that he's disappointed when he meets Deanna be, until she says like, I'm definitely something of a surprise to him. Like I'm not what he was expecting. And then of course we find out later on that he's been dreaming about this other blonde lady, but he's just so sweet to her. And he brings her that ridiculously cheesy, like $1 plastic rose. Yeah. The chameleon rose. I want a chameleon rose. I know. I know. And I was, I was a little disappointed though. Like when he first handed it to her, it changed colors. Yeah. I was a little disappointed that it didn't continue to change colors throughout the I episode. I know. That's what I kind of wanted. Cause I was like, surely she's feeling different emotions when she's talking to her mom and she's getting all upset versus when she meets right. Right. It turns like blood Riker's red. Pouting. Yeah. Like I just wanted, <laughs> I did it. The color didn't even matter. I just wanted to see it be, you know, orange purple pink as her emotions were changing but you're right that was kind of a one-trick pony he handed it to her it turned white and then she had to carry it around for the next several scenes and that's all <laughs> so that's that a does, little bit of a letdown but that was a cool idea that does remind me of a episode of the office um dinner party when um andy <laughs> and um angela like show up to the dinner party and andy's got that bouquet of flowers and he like rips one flower out and gives it to angela and she's such a bitch. She's like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> she's got to like hold it. <laughs> like, it's so great. So every once in a while, like if my husband and I are walking our dog, he'll grab a flower for me. And I go, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> Which of course, I'm tickled anytime he gives me a flower. I'm like, oh, cute. But yeah, so now I give him like the stern bitchy face. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what pulling I feel like. Angela. <laughs> yes, that's what I feel like Troy was doing. She was pulling an Angela, but very, very graciously. She's like, I guess I'll just carry this thing. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. um, oh, okay. So when Wyatt Miller and family beam aboard, I had this moment where I was so loving the costume that Mrs. Miller was wearing. Mm -hmm. She was wearing this kind of like lavender, smoky purple, like kind of a wrappy shawl thing mm -hmm. and this like really cool feathered hat or like mm -hmm. structural hat. And I'm such a hat. Like I love hats. Yeah. I love them so much. So I had like a fangirl moment over that. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I wish I could make something like that. it was mm -hmm. so beautiful. Like that woman was like elegant from beginning to end, which is hard to get because Again, this was 1987. Like nothing from the 80s looked elegant. I tell you, it was all padded <laughs> shoulders and a bunch of bullshit. Like, oh uh, yeah, it looked great. These outfits were really great in this episode. Like the Miller family's outfits were very nice. And even Loxana, Loxana yeah. always has really cool clothes though. She always she has something does. really pretty. She had the like and... back revealing. Mm -hmm. She did. So she beams on board, which we find out she didn't want to beam on board until the Millers were right, like vacated the area. <laughs> It was like the Sele and the Antikins all over again. It the, was exactly like that. We were just waiting for her to sniff the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my arch nemesis, Loxana Troy beams aboard <laughs> with her assistant, her valet, Mr. Home, who I love. Yes. 
Yes. He's great. He's great. Yes. And Mr. Holm, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh my gosh, it's Lurch. That's the same actor who played who played Lurch in the Is 90s really? versions of the Adams Family. Mm-hmm. Well, the man knows how to silently act. <laughs> he really does. He's good at it. He. I, I looked this up yesterday because I was like, you know, people who have that particular stature and look play a very particular role, like over and over and over. They play a lurch, right? Because even Mr. Holm is really lurch with some paint on his face. It's the same character. And even lurch, I think, had paint on his face. It's the same yeah, you're character. Right. You're right. And, uh, and I was like, man, when you have a certain stature, you, you definitely get typecast. You don't get to talk. You don't really get to act too, too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I was kind of looking into this guy, um, turns out this man is seven feet tall. What? seven feet tall and out he shows up as Luoxana's valet for another five episodes well I guess counting this one right five episodes of TNG where he keeps coming back to reprise this role which I think is kind of fun that is really cool and it's a it's a fairly simple role you just are walking around in the background or like handing her like combs or yeah or hair I actually think that Mr. Holm has a really fun character he doesn't say anything, yes, but he I know. does so much. Yeah. He he is so funny. And he does actually say something where he says, thank you for the drinks he does at, at the end. end. Right, and right. everybody's mm-hmm. like, what? I didn't think you could speak. Well, or because did- in the beginning, um, Wyatt's dad is just like, you know, okay. So we're, so there's this scene where they're talking about the ceremony and the Millers are saying Captain Picard should do the ceremony because yes. he's the captain and that's what's appropriate. And then Loaxana has a huge tantrum because this is the episode of the tantrums. And she's like, that is not okay. Absolutely unacceptable. It has to be a Betazoid wedding. And they're saying, no, it's going to be an an Earth-like wedding. And so she's going on and on and saying Mr. Holm is the one who's going to perform the ceremony because he is versed in Betazoid traditions. And that's when Wyatt's dad says, but he doesn't even talk. And she says, but he, but he speaks sign language and that's all we need for the ceremony. And that's when it's just like, oh my gosh, it's getting out of control. And Picard just throws the hammer and is like, you know, in the most diplomatic way possible. As the captain, I'm going to say that during this celebration, all conflicts are resolved at the mm-hmm. end. And everyone just stops talking. And I was like, man, if only it was that simple, teaching would be a lot easier. Right. As the teacher, I shall say all conflicts are resolved. Done. <laughs> and Done. It's just over. Fat chance of that ever happening. Right. That's why we were thinking he doesn't talk because that was kind of established earlier and confirmed that yes, he doesn't talk, but he does do sign language. And then all of a sudden he talks at the end, which is Yeah. Funny. Yeah. And and Loxana is um played by Majel Barrett, who I talked about a bunch of times. She's uh she was Gene Roddenberry's wife. Um and she's also the voice of the ship's computer. So that's which I do cool. like. I do like the chip's computer voice. That's a good role she, for her. She has a great voice for that. She mm-hmm. really does. Like hearing that voice, it just feels like this is the computer. Like it's right. not like, oh, the computer has like a funny voice. It's like, no, that is the computer. Mm-hmm. And actually, Mitchell Barrett did a wonderful job at differentiating her tonality between being ship's computer voice mm-hmm. and being looks on a Troy voice because- I couldn't tell. Right. Even though I know that she plays the same, you know, it's the same person who plays those two roles- unless you're like really straining, you really can't pick up the difference or mm-hmm. you, you, yeah, it's, it's, it's very different. So she does a great job. I hate Luxana Troy. I hate her. <laughs> I hate her. Tell me why, why do you <sighs> hate her? She's so freaking pushy. She's, She's so pushy. pushy. I hate that in people. Um, and this is probably diving into my like childhood, but the Andrea's backstory. This is, I'm unpacking some, you know what? This is therapy right here. Mm-hmm. Loxana Troy is my mother. 
<laughs> my mom is always on a drive. When she decides to do something, she's going to do it. Nobody's going to talk her out of it, no matter how ridiculous it is. But, and, and that's, that would be fine if she just would respect other people's wishes or opinions, thoughts, choices, anything, actions. anything <laughs> you could say, you could say like, Hey, um, you know, uh, I'd really like to go eat at this restaurant. And she'd be like, great, we're going to go eat at that other one. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, but I wanted to eat at this one. She's like, it's okay. And just to her, it like, doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. And everything is fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's Loxana Troy, where she's yeah. like, everything is fine. Cause I'm getting my way no matter what. And no matter who, doesn't matter who. <laughs> doesn't matter who, doesn't matter who. Yeah, I, I could see- oh, That drives me crazy. I could see how that would push on some of your childhood buttons for sure. Because <laughs> yeah. not only is she pushy, She's also telepathically pushy, which is like taking it to another level. She will literally get in your head just to be like, you're wrong and I'm right. And you're like, (laughs) oh, you can't even like plug your ears. You can't even, I mean, there's no escaping it. And that's why this is the episode of the tantrums because you just see Troy like mother, mother. And she's just like, what? And the way she is with Captain Picard is so, it just makes me feel so uncomfortable. Right. And she's just Picard, I see your thoughts about me. And he's just like, oh. downright pornographic. And poor yeah, Picard is like, like, let me get out of here. Yeah. He's like, I'm not <laughs> sure how to respond to this. Like I don't. And then there's this funny scene at the very end where she kind of, when she's hopping off the mm-hmm. ship and she makes this little statement about, I've never heard, see, you know, heard such thoughts about me like you have. And she kind of disappears and Troy's like, you know, that, that was just, that was meant to be a joke captain from my mom. Right. And he's just like, well, I was not amused. Right. He's just like very not amused by Loxana Troy and her pushy, like you must find me attractive. Even that's kind of pushy. The way yeah, she does that. Well, and I think too, that I, I really eat, I firmly believe, and I feel like the audience members, we all sort of get like, mo- many of these people are not finding her attractive, but right. she's anyway, no, she, she <laughs> does that to like make herself feel attractive. And, right. and I understand that. Like I can get that, especially when you start getting to like a certain age, you know, you feel like you're not like as young and virile and like, you're not 21 anymore or whatever. Like I get that, but to put that on someone else and make them feel uncomfortable, that's just shitty. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting about this character, I, I'm sure there are some, some people on team Waxana because there are, you know, you got every kind in the world. There's some people out there who probably love this character. But what's interesting is that the way that they wrote this character was in such a way that they made everyone else on the ship, everyone else in the cast kind of hate this character. Right. So as an audience member, you almost feel obligated to hate her as well. I mean, you, Andrea, have some special childhood buttons that she pushes. So like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't like her either way. But like no. for me, I just, I noticed the way you know, everybody treats her and looks at her and reacts to her. And Mm. that's my reaction. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't like her either. And so it's kind of like, was this some kind of sub subconscious message that Gene Roddenberry is putting out into the world where he creates (laughs) a role for his wife and this role she's playing is a role where everyone in the world hates her. So unlikable. Yikes. Yeah. What are you trying to say? That's weird. What are you trying to say? Although who the hell knows, you know, yeah. Like, like I was saying, I'm a big fan of The Office and Angela Kinsey plays Angela Martin and the actress could not be more different than the character yeah. she plays. So it could be that same kind of thing where yeah, Major Barrett could deal. not be mm-hmm. more, couldn't be more likable and just lovely and gracious. Right. And then you have this like nails on a chalkboard character that you play. I think playing the opposite character to your personality is inherently fun. And actors routinely will say like, it's so much fun to play a baddie. Mm -hmm. And I could totally see that. I could totally see that. All right. So at this point now, we are in um, Wyatt's quarters and Deanna is going over there to kind of get to know him better. And and 
a big part of me feels like number one, there's a big problem with the plot here. Why is she agreeing to do this marriage? I mean, I understand that she's like, I'm a beta Z and that's mm-hmm. what I have to do. But like, no girl, you don't even know this guy. Like you don't know him. You have a whole career. Why the F would you just be like, well, my parents said I had to marry this person. Like that seems very not 24th century. Well, that's, in- yeah. And it's interesting because I mean, that's her cultural t- traditions. And so she's committed to honoring her traditions, which I actually respect. And that's something that Picard says in his monologue um, at some point where he's like, I think this is a backwards outdated tradition. And not only that, but it's also, um, it, it interferes with like what we're trying to do here. It's, it's inconvenient. Like this tradition is inconvenient and it's going to take yeah. our, count- our ship's counselor away and all this stuff. Right. And on the one hand, I'm like, well, yeah, that's true. Like it does, it's definitely inconvenient. It's inconvenient for Troy and everybody else. And like, no one saw this coming. And Troy thought that because she was on a starship, she didn't have to honor this agreement that made a long time ago. But at the same time, I think that other cultures, non-American cultures still do practice um, arranged marriages. And I have friends who've been, who are married through arranged marriages that are happily married. I do. Yeah. I have some friends who are in um, different cultures that still practice that and they are happily married to their spouse. And, and I've asked lots of questions because I'm Crazy. an American and yeah. we don't do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, what was that like? And you know, all these questions and it's like, you know what? One of my friends, she said, it's, there's something beautiful about a community saying we all agree to this relationship. There's something kind of um, deep and familial about everyone coming together as a community and saying, this relationship is good. We are all on board. We are all about it. Like we support it, you know, I could see that. Is, yeah. And I was like, huh, I that's interesting. That. Cause we are like in America, we're like the opposite. We're like, I pick who I pick. If my family doesn't mm-hmm. like it, oh, well, you know, and there's yeah. all kinds of drama and conflict and you know, whatever. And so, um, I just think it's like a different, it's just a different way to do, yeah. to do love, a different way to do family, a different way to do community. So I kind of respect the fact that she's like, you know what, this is not what I expected. I hope that I would get out of it but yeah. I'm going to honor and respect my family's traditions that I agreed to. I think that's hard to do in a community that's opposite of your cultural beliefs. I think you're right about that. And and honestly, <clears throat> I think that why it seems to be just such a genuinely sweet guy mm-hmm. and not bad looking and and smart and blah, and blah, like blah. That like, charming. Yeah, doctor, she could, come on. She could, she could definitely like do worse. She could. And know? if it was like some slob who's mm. like, you know, 30 years older than her, who's like beats her and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. Then, then, then we wouldn't no. be happy with that, whether it was arranged or not. No, <laughs> right. No, There'd be no scenario not. where we're like, Oh, that's a good, that's a good idea. Right. So absolutely not. Um, so we find out though, that Wyatt is quite, um, an artist and he's been doing a lot of drawings, but the drawings are all of one mm-hmm. woman. And I tell you, this woman is like the dream 1980s woman right there. Seriously fierce, huge head of hair mm-hmm. feather. It's like Farrah Fawcett mm-hmm. everywhere, mm-hmm. like all sorts of Farrah Fawcett vibes. But I love that he's actually really straightforward with Troy. And he's like, yes, I've been dreaming about her like since I was a little boy. And um, I thought that like, it was you. Mm-hmm. And because you're a betazoid, like I thought that you were just sort of like telepathically kind of reaching out to mm-hmm. me. And I, and I think it's very sweet and endearing that like he full on just like owned up to it. Yeah. And I think props to Troy to also be like, well, gosh, I'm like, sorry that I'm not who you expected, but like, I hope that this still like kind of works well or whatever. Mm -hmm. She could have just been like, what? Yeah. Let me tell you, 
Let me tell you, girl, let me tell you how insecure I am. When I saw that, I was like, oh no, Mm-mm. no, I'm not. <laughs> I am not sharing your mind, your heart or your bed with this mystery woman from your dreams. Like that was just not, that would have not worked for me. Not that I would have said you have to choose or something. But I think just- it's different though. If you're like in love, if you're in love with them, then you're like, no, I'm not sharing with you. Like that's a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. But if you don't even know them at all, right. it's like, oh, okay. Well, you have been drawing this girl. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how I would have reacted in that exact scenario because it's so bizarre. But yeah, that that my super first thought bizarre. was like, yeah, if I'm marrying this guy, I'm not sharing. I'm not sharing. I don't like to share. I'm super selfish when it comes to relationships. I don't even like to share my burrito. Okay, <laughs> like never mind my man. Like I'm not sharing. It. I'm not sharing your heart and your mind and your fantasy life and all of that. No nope. one. But um, yeah. So it, I think it was good that he owned up and and even the way that he did it, where she was just like, wow, like do you even know who she is or you know how how is that going to work? And he's just kind of like it's just a boyhood fantasy, you know, like I'll get over it basically. Like I, I am disappointed, but this was my fantasy and I'll get over it. And actually this is something you and I talked about offline, Andrea, about the way that Troy is able to have this like open love where she can love multiple people and it's right, not right. a conflict with anybody else. So of course she wouldn't think anything of it that he might love someone else as well. It's just kind of like, okay, you know, and she even has this, this moment with Riker where she's just like, is the human heart too small for that? Like you can't, you can't do that. You can't have feelings for multiple people, but still be committed to one person at the same time. And I thought that's a really kind of interesting twist on this idea of open relationships, right? Because she's not saying, she's not saying we'll get married and we'll find this woman and bring her into our marriage. That's not what she's saying, but she's saying you can be in love with her and in love with me Mm -hmm. and we can be married and I can be in love with you and in love with Riker, but I can be committed to our relationship at the same time, which is like, what? This is, I see large shades of Gene Roddenberry's life in here. So mm. Gene Roddenberry was a, um, it wasn't a secret. Uh, he was a big believer in open relationships. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so he um, had a, an open marriage with Majel Barrett. Um, and and like, he just thought kind of in along that sort of swing in 60s mentality where it's like the heart is big enough to love like multiple people. And mm-hmm. like, and and on paper, that sounds lovely. But mm-hmm. in real life, I'm like, nope, <laughs> that doesn't yeah, work. The human heart's not all. that big, turns out. Nope. <laughs> I actually, I actually have friends who practice open relationships. And my, my thing is like, if you're both cool with it, then that's good. But if, it, if one of you is not cool with it, then it's yeah. not cool. And, and then what I like about the way that this open relationship thing happens with Troy is that she, she stays committed to one person at a time, even if Mm -hmm. she's still in, like, even though she's still in love with Riker, she fully intends to marry, um, Wyatt Wyatt. and live with Wyatt and leave the ship and go live her life with him. She's not like, I'll just sleep with both of you. Like, it's not like that. It's not have your cake and eat it too. She's like, I can love you and be committed, which I think is, is like an interesting little twist. So yeah, so she's super cool about it. She's just like, yep, you're in love with another woman in your dreams. Okay. Like, yeah interesting. I'll try to not be a disappointment, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Okay. But so here now we really hit sort of this, um, the subplot really starts to kick in where this mystery ship is approaching Haven. It is a super cool ship. It's got that like iridescent, yeah. like rainbowy kind of bubble around it. That is like one of the coolest ships. I wish we would have seen it more. And it turns yep. out it's a Torellian ship, which mm-hmm. what we know is the Torellian flu, like wiped out basically the entire planet. And there are very few people. All the Torellians. Yeah. And, and I love that. Like it was sort of, there were turning these screws, like the writers were using this as like a cautionary tale for what we are kind of 
doing along like our own like human evolution where they say that they chose like hatred over intelligence Mm -hmm. and um they unleashed this biological weapon um and dr crusher says they reached like what is the equivalent to like late 20th century human Mm -hmm. like earth history or like earth level of technology so it became very easy to unleash this virus on the other group, whoever the, like they're warring mm-hmm. other Torellians were. And then they also infected themselves. So now they all carry this like lethal infection and the entire freaking planet died. And they like spread around to like other planets and killed those planets too. Like it's really bad. It's yeah. really bad. Hashtag coronavirus. Oh Although this my wasn't, God. this wasn't a, an attack on anybody. However, that same idea of a pandemic is yeah. echoed in this episode, but in the form of a, of a biological attack, this wasn't just an accident or whatever this was like we're gonna get you and then they got themselves and of course they did of course they did well yeah because that i mean the way that they said like they chose hatred over intelligence like you're it's it it never prospers you know like that that just never goes well um but the ship because it appears to be like damaged is moving so slowly it's going to be like 10 hours before it gets to haven Mm -hmm. so they have time to sort of figure out what to do about it um meanwhile though we have the pre-joining ceremony which is kind of like, I guess, the rehearsal dinner? Yeah, I think that would be it, the rehearsal dinner, which was in some room we've never seen before and yes. never see again, I think. Nope, not ever, not <laughs> I don't, ever. I don't recognize that room. <laughs> and I love that Data is so delighted by Luxana and Mrs. Miller's like bickering mm-hmm. that it's like watching a tennis match. Like he's like kind of going back and forth. <laughs> it's awesome. It's so it's so fun to watch. And there's this scene where... um in in that in the in that dinner where Troy has the tantrum and she's just like enough mother bah! you know and she walks out and we've got Mr. Ohm over there banging on the little gongs like giving thanks because he's drunk off oh his my rocker God. and Troy just walks over and throws it to the ground and I was like that's hilarious like that's ultimate tantrum moment right there when you start throwing crap and yep. then as she leaves and everyone's just kind of in stunned silence Data's like um could you guys please continue your petty bickering because I find it very fascinating. Yes. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I, I love data. wrote that down also. <laughs> I love data. So and give me back up a second. We missed this part, yeah. but I wanted to share this. So in our last episode, we were, I think it was our last one um, for the battle, whenever we did that, uh, we were complaining, oh, our second to last one. We were complaining mm-hmm. about the fact that we could not see inside of the ship with the Ferengi. They just had this, this green screen that was white and you couldn't see inside the ship, but yeah. then they had a scene inside the ship that was so cool. But then like, we don't see it when they're on the view screen. So what the heck? But here with Haven, you see this beautiful background. You totally see it in the view screen mm-hmm, and it's so amazing. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. again, with the Torellian ship, you see everyone on the ship in the background, you see their bridge and it's just like, yeah. finally, here's where it happens. Way the heck in what, episode nine that we're at? Yeah. But yeah, now you can see 10, yeah. 10, you can see those in the, in the background in the view screen. And I was just like, so pleased with that. I mean, it just really rounds out the show. It's so lovely. It's so cool. It's like yeah, one of those things right. you don't notice until it's gone. And then you're like, why the heck is there just a white screen and a super duper close up? That doesn't make any sense. So I loved the fact that they did that this time. Right? You know, you're right. Because when they do the Ferengi shots, it's just the Ferengi behind like a glowing white background. And it yeah. just looks so weird weird and cheesy and yeah this looks better because now you see like a bridge and and yeah, that trailing ship is so cool too. I love it. It's super so, cool. Um, Riker kind of makes up a, a very, very half-assed excuse that literally nobody believes and, and leaves the party. <laughs> and then Troy says, I've had enough of this. And she knocks over the gong and she leaves. Mm-hmm. And then Troy finds Riker, honestly, dramatically as fuck, 
pouting <laughs> all the day. <laughs> <laughs> he finds him full of angst sitting on a rock. Oh my God. In the desert. Sitting on a rock, like with one leg up and his like elbow around his one knee, kind of yeah. like. If you if you were to try as a teenager to post like a deep photo of you staring at the ocean and thinking deep thoughts, like that's the pose that you would mm-hmm. do. Like yeah. it's so they, they, nailed, they nailed the teenage angst right there. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. And she kind of calls him out on like, can't I love you and also be with Wyatt, but can't you still love me? But isn't the heart so small? Like right. it was uh and also, I mean, she said earlier, like you more than anything, you want to be a starship captain. True. And you've made it very clear that that takes precedence over any kind of relationship we might have. So this is your choice. This is the choice you've made. And he's just like, well, I don't have to like it, you know, and, but it's true. He doesn't deny it. He's like, yeah, no, that's true. Like that, that's, a, that's exactly the choice that I made. I would rather be a captain than be with you. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I do love that. He kind of does the, I don't have to like it. Cause I'm like, dude, it's your choice. Like, right. You don't have to like it. You could also make a different choice. You could just change it if you don't like it. Like I could make scrambled eggs and be like, these are not that good and make something else. Like, yeah. I'm not like, I don't have to like it. Like you made this choice, <laughs> dummy. Like, what are you talking about? Anyway, I think it's, I think it's um kind of funny that they're having this sort of like, they're kind of having it out in a way. Yeah. In way. They're having it out. Right. And, and then Wyatt shows up and she's like, this is the man I was telling you about. And he's like, oh yeah, you want to be a starship captain, blah, blah, blah. And Riker's like, damn, she told you about me? Like, <laughs> I know. So, I mean, I love the honesty. I love Troy's honesty. I love Wyatt's honesty. Riker's the only one who's struggling here. Uh, right. Because <laughs> Troy's just like, this is the man I told you about that I was in love with. And why it's like, oh, you're the man she was in love with it. Cool. You know, great he's to meet just you. Like, yeah, Five. exactly. <laughs> great, great to meet you. And you know, good luck with that captain thing. Hope that works out for you. And he's just like, and non ironically, non ironically too. He's like, I genuinely hope you like get what you like are like working towards. I like mean, he's super Wyatt, sweet. Wyatt, he's a very sweet guy. We like Wyatt. We like him. We do. So I think it's funny that they had this kind of like emotionally tense moment and then Wyatt shows up, Riker leaves, and then Deanna immediately like kind of can switch gears and like be emotionally like vulnerable and sweet with Wyatt. And I was mm-hmm. like, huh, I don't know if I were you, if if I were Troy and having like some deep emotionally kind of gut-wrenching conversation with an ex that I was still in love with. And like the new guy I'm supposed to be with rocks up. I would not be like, oh, hey, <laughs> I'd be like, I need a moment. Like I'm a right. little bit. But that's the thing. You know? That's exactly what she was saying is that her heart was big enough to, uh, for them to both occupy the space at the same time. There yeah. were, there was no switching of gears she had to do. She just was, she just was on, she was ready. So yeah, I, I guess that's true. Um, okay. But now we have this like sort of crescendo moment where the Torellians finally get to visual range mm-hmm. with the ship and they open the communication meanwhile by the way we haven't mentioned meanwhile down on haven they're freaking out because mm-hmm. they're like do not let them come down here they're gonna bring the plague it's mm-hmm. you know they're gonna like turn this whole beautiful planet into like a, a, graveyard, a graveyard yeah which that is very hey quarantine's a real thing for yep. a reason because yep. you can't be doing that so they're trying to figure out you know the enterprise is trying to figure out what the trillion ship is doing and the trillion ship opens the communications and oh my god blonde girls there Mm -hmm. in a hilariously like revealing outfit (laughs) yeah and just the pinnacle of 80s fashion I just watching this watching that scene it just was like every movie from the late 80s early 90s that I loved just all came flooding back like all of it particularly the movie this movie called mannequin 
which is like oh this, my god yeah yes. right where there's this this mannequin who comes to life and she's this gorgeous woman but then she like turns back into a mannequin in the day and this guy who does set <laughs> dressing is like trying to tell everybody she's real she's real and they're like mm, she's definitely a mannequin and um it's, it's just but she's like so gorgeous she's just so beautiful and that's what that reminded me of that scene where she's just standing there i was just like it's mannequin it's just like this beautiful iconic 80s look mm-hmm. immediately followed by her father pushing her to the side and saying hi i'm so and so and i was like well then what was her point why was she even standing you know, there this was this was funny to me i actually made note of that and i said I wrote in my notes, blonde girl just stands there saying nothing. <laughs> she just stands she has there. no voice. She and, has no purpose. No. And, and, and anytime a ship comes into communication with the enterprise, they're always like, this is captain blah, blah of the blah, right. blah ship. Or this right? is Damon so-and-so. Of course. She literally just stands there for probably 30 seconds staring. And it's like, girl, do you not know how to say hello to people or like, right. like And then my thought was because they thought maybe perhaps Wyatt would be there that mm. they were expect that they, they wanted just, her front and center so when they you know the know. view screen turned on Wyatt would see her she would see him and the music would play and the angels would sing and yes. then you know they would know that was my only thought of why they did that because it just makes no sense that like she's standing there just to be pushed aside for her father yeah. just to speak it's like what? with his sweet ass like sleeves that are like slit so you could see yeah. his arms <laughs> yeah they had some really cool outfits the Torellians. not gonna lie everybody had really cool outfits in this episode (laughs) so i think it is funny i mean they do say like yes we're all infected with the Torellian flu um and we're the only ones left there's only eight of them on board like they're the only ones left and i wonder if that means like are you the only eight Torellians left at all or just Mm -hmm. the only ones left on the ship it's not clarified a ton but it's not that important but why it does kind of like storm onto the bridge he comes like sprinting out of the turbo lift which i think is funny because you're just a passenger that's there for a completely non-related reason you're there to get married mm-hmm. what business do you have like storming the bridge when a ship comes onto communications like well but they did say they did say earlier so so here maybe is why because he's a doctor and he and yeah. crusher were talking at the engagement party um or whatever that was they were talking about or no, they were talking in the ready room. They were talking about the Torellians coming. And he was like, oh my gosh, I've studied everything there is to know about the Torellians and their history and their past. And, you know, she was talking, he was talking to Dr. Crusher saying, would you mind if there was a consult, if the two of us sat and kind of talked about this, because maybe there's a way we can help them. And she was like, I would love that. And she actually said this line where she's like, oh my goodness, it's so nice to have another medical colleague on board, which kind of confirms what I thought from earlier, where we were like, is she the only doctor on this entire ship? I guess she's the only doctor. Ship's compliment of 1,012 people. You're Which the only doctor. crazy. But I think, I don't know, maybe in the in like the Marines or the Navy or whatever, when they're on those ships, there's not a lot of space for a lot of people. They might not have a I ton of doctors true. either. Maybe they only that's have true. like one doctor and two nurses. I, I really don't know. I'm, clearly, I don't know. But I was like, <laughs> on this entire ship, she's really the only doctor? That's crazy. And then when Beverly has a medical emergency, we're all screwed. But anyways, so that's why I think he rushed onto the mm-hmm. bridge because he mm-hmm. was like, you know, they were talking about it. They want to help these people. You know, it's such a fascinating medical situation. And, and I think that's maybe why he was like, they're here, they're here. Let's see them, you know? Yeah, that's true. I, yeah, I could, all right, I'll buy that. <laughs> I'll buy that. So he, he sees the blonde gal who I think her name is like Angelique or Angelina or Ariana. Angelina. Oh, okay. I totally got that way wrong. Started with an A. You were okay. on the right alphabet letter (laughs) so he he sees ariana and then they are like oh snaps like you are the person and then he immediately grabs a bunch of medical supplies 
and beams over, which means he's not contaminated and can never come back right. on board. Which he already knew. Which he already knew, and he did it willingly, which is super sweet. And I think it's the perfect occupation for him to be a doctor because he was destined all along mm-hmm. to, he's going to be the guy who cures the Torellian flu mm-hmm. or figures it out or at least saves them or whatever. So I, it is, he has this sweet little moment where he kind of like kisses Troy goodbye and he tells his parents like, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. He beams over. And the minute he beams over, the mom is like, come back here at once. And it's like, you can't, you can't ever do mm-hmm. that. But once he gets on the ship, he sees all of the drawings of himself, mm-hmm. which is really sweet. It's like, I thought oh, that was girl's really, been- really sweet too. Yeah. Like, oh, she's yeah. been making sketches just like he's been making sketches. And for some reason they put it up all over the ship. <laughs> you know what? They don't have a refrigerator in the 24th century. So there's no place to put up your kid's artwork. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You don't want to put it on the replicator. That's kind of no. weird. <laughs> yeah, they're like, I guess the, the hallway is fine. <laughs> the bridge <Yeah>. is good. <laughs> yeah. So they end up like sailing away and Troy is like, I'm really happy for you. Riker is relieved because now he doesn't want Troy, but he doesn't want her to be happy with anybody else. Of course. That's ridiculously selfish. Mm-hmm. But you know what? There's no moral of the story, which I love. Yeah. There's no moral. They've yep. kind of moved away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still really deep though, into the writing method where the climax of the story happens 15 seconds before the credits. Roll, right. Right. Which I don't, I don't love, like there needs to be time to unpack, but whatever, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's early season. Um, but there's no moral, but I do like that. We get to see the like Riker Troy relationship. I like to see captain Picard as a human, like when he's trying to carry Luxana's yeah. trunk. Yeah. That cracks me up and how uncomfortable like she makes him and he like backs out of the room slowly mm-hmm. when he beams off the ship. Mm-hmm. When she beams off the ship, she tells him like, your thoughts are so pornographic towards me. And he's just like, Ugh. Yeah, she definitely makes him speechless, but not in any of the good ways. No, no. I love that it's used as like a tool of comedy in future episodes when they're mm-hmm. like, my mother's coming on board. And he's like, Ugh, I have a vacation coming up. I- I'm yep. going to take I'm going to take my paid time off right now. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. I love how they do that too. Oh, captain, you don't want to take vacation. Well, that's great. Cause my mom is coming. Oh, actually on second I'll be thought. in transporter room too. <laughs> he is out of there. Yeah. We're not in transport range. Doesn't matter who. Doesn't matter who. Out. I'm taking, I'm taking a I'll shuttle. I'll take a shuttle craft. Yep. Got to get out of here. I will take an escape pod. Just point it towards the planet and eject it. <laughs> Oh God. <laughs> well, see, I'm not the only one who hates Luxana Troy. If Captain Picard and I are the only two people that dislike her, I still say I'm in good company because yeah. she sucks. She sucks. I don't like pushy people. So. Yeah, but she's a good counterpoint to to Troy, I think, to Deanna, right? Because yeah. she's just not like that at all, right? She's not Mm-mm. pushy, invasive, digging into your thoughts, reading your thoughts constantly. She literally never reads people's thoughts. She's always like just reading their emotions or whatever. And so she's a good, like, she's a good uh, counter to Deanna and a good counter to Mr. Holm. Yeah, that's true. She is. Um, Do you have any final thoughts on this episode? None at all. (laughs) This is, you know what, listeners, this is going to be us for all of season one. Just no final thoughts. Let's just keep it pushing to season two when things are getting good. All right. So Sharice, next week, we are going to talk about season one, episode 11, the big goodbye. And that one's a fun one because they're in the holodeck for a bunch. Like that's, that's a definite change of pace. Yeah. I'm excited about that one. All right, guys. Well, thanks for hanging with us. We'll see you next week. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at the TNG 
to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.